Thank you for joining us here on the Recovery Executive Podcast. I'm your host, Nick Jaworski. Uh, the Recovery Executive Podcast was started and runs specifically to help owners, executives, and directors with the business end of addiction treatment and behavioral health. There are a lot of people out there with great clinical programs, but as we know, you can't help more people and you can't focus and invest in your clinical program unless you have a healthy business to support that. Seeing this gap, we started the Recovery Executive Podcast to make sure that people had the support that they need around everything from finance and billing to marketing, sales, um, clinical operations, places and pieces that are often overlooked by a lot of the information that's currently out there. As always, the Recovery Executive Podcast is brought to you by Circle Social Inc., experts in strategic marketing and growth for addiction treatment and behavioral health. You can visit them at www.circlesocialinc.com. Today we're talking with Reed Smith. He is a co-founder of Centered Recovery in Atlanta, or just north of Atlanta, actually. I'm very excited to have him on. As many of you know, who know me personally, I'm a very strong advocate of providing alternative modalities um, to patients. As we know, there's no such thing as a one-size-fits-all treatment. It's why we need to individualize our programs within our centers. But also, the field is still very much dominated by 12-step programming, and it's about 80% of the field. What we see from also a marketing perspective is there's a huge amount of people searching for alternatives to 12-step. And to be very clear, as Juan Lacende once wrote a great article on uh, from Adaptive Center down in Miami, alternatives to 12-step is not anti-12-step. And there's often confusion, I think, in the field around this. For some reason, people seem to think if you're not earning a 12-step program that you don't believe in what they're doing and that's almost never the case as you'll see with Reed and I think almost anyone else you talk to in the space that recommends increasing options for those looking for addiction treatment. 12 Steps is a great program. It works amazingly well um, for a certain percentage of people but then there's also all these other people that we need to help that it doesn't it's not a good fit for, right? So Reed's going to go into their program, how it works, partly from a clinical perspective. He'll get into kind of why they built their program the way that they did, but also very much from a business perspective. And we'll connect it with, you know, what I've been saying or what I've seen with our own clients and the market out there of all these people that are looking for alternatives. There's a huge gap in the market, a huge untapped potential. There's so many struggling centers right now. It behooves centers to look for stronger alternatives that are maybe going to help more people reach them. And even if that's not you, even if you're not someone that's willing to open up an alternative program, you still need to find partners and referral partners that can help those people. Because the more people we help, the better image we have as a field, and the more we fight you know, addiction in our country. So very much look forward to speaking with Reed. Uh, let's jump into the interview. Hi, Reed. I really appreciate you coming on the show today. Really excited for this discussion. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your center? Yeah, thanks for having me, by the way. My name is Reed Smith. I'm the co-founder and director of client services at Centered Recovery Programs uh, outside of Atlanta. And I got into the treatment business roughly a decade ago by chance. Uh, by having a friend who had gotten into it previously and was having some success. And when the economy turned, he invited me to be a part of his team and, and speaking with people and, and helping them make decisions as far as where to go for treatment. So that's how uh, I was introduced roughly a decade ago. And it's uh, brought me to co-founding 
centered recovery a year ago and we're a mindfulness-based non-12 uh, step intensive outpatient program outside of Atlanta. Okay, well, great. I'm really excited to have you guys on. As many of the listeners will know, I am a big advocate of providing many alternatives and different treatment styles because we all know that there is no such thing as a one-size-fits-all treatment. So there are a lot of 12-step programs out there, and those are fantastic, and they help a lot of people, but there are also a lot of people that 12-step doesn't quite work for. And so Reed Run Centered Recovery that has an alternative program um, and it's not smart recovery either. So can you clarify that a little bit, Reed? Right, This isn't smart recovery, but it's actually your own Correct. program centered on mindfulness? Yeah, and if anyone's familiar with smart recovery, uses a lot of, uh, I think his name was Albert Ellis, uh, rational emotive behavioral therapy. And it seems that it really is in alignment with what we're doing, but so is the 12 steps as well, because we're all, trying to gain the same uh, objective, help people have sober, clean lives. Uh, but smart recovery sees that your thinking is creating your feelings and your feelings are driving your behavior. And there's definitely a, a lot of truth in that. Um, but understanding that there, uh, it seems a, a lot of the work is spent helping people to manage behaviors. Uh, manage feelings and although although those are definitely helpful uh, we're taking even a, a possibly a deeper look and uh, helping people move beyond managing those things by having a, a deeper understanding of them where they're coming from uh, to be able to interpret the signals of the body in a way that's according with what's really being communicated so that people kind of get out of their own way um, and become more present to what is happening around them rather than being in their head, creating things that aren't around them. Um, so really a, a mindfulness-based program. Okay, so I really want to explore that a little bit uh, in depth. But first I want to ask you, so sure. why did you come up with this program in particular? What drew you to creating an alternative to 12-step in you know, the Atlanta area there? Sure. Well, definitely anywhere in the country uh, could use, uh, you know, alternative programs in their neighborhood. Atlanta is just where I was born and raised, as well as uh, the co-founder. So it, it worked out. Um, you know, when I was in the business early on, not in around clinicians or anything, I would just see the people when they arrive and when they would leave, and then I would do follow-up to determine, you know, if someone was being successful or not. And it was really perplexing to me to figure out who was going to be successful and who wasn't. And during that time, uh, you know, handling the admissions, there, this was uh, a long time ago, so the phone didn't ring all the time. We weren't extremely busy. So I spent a lot of time doing self-improvement and, and reading books and listening to podcasts like this one <laughs> and was introduced to some things that moved beyond concepts for me and became like a really lived experience. And it allowed me to have new eyes for the people coming through the program and see that within those people that were successful appeared to be a common denominator. And it was having had an insight a perceptual shift in their understanding at a fundamental level 
that allowed for their whole lives and everything that they did to be expressed differently. And seeing that, I knew that, you know, the people that were successful in the 12 steps, it might not, it might be less about having worked the steps and more the meeting happens to be the occasion where somebody has ears for something new. They hear something new for the first time and they could have swear, man, I've heard that a, a thousand times before, but suddenly it meant something. Um, and so this program at Centered, uh, part of its foundation is helping people have ears for that. So there was that old Zen Cohen when the students ready the teacher appears well there's some groundwork that can be done to help people be fertile for for insight and see things new and um, so the program was designed to cultivate an atmosphere where folks could come through and uh, have these epiphanies for themselves which is what Bill W had as well in his spiritual awakening and then it seems to me that uh, he brilliantly shared with the world an effort to reverse engineer his spiritual insight and it's worked beautifully and in millions of people uh, but for those that have attempted that and failed to connect to it beyond an intellectual level then we may offer something that could just climb that same mountain but from a different direction it's really interesting so i think most people would agree with you you know kind of what you're saying with your mindfulness aspect is that same with the 12 step right it takes a paradigm shift it takes a mindset shift you know there's often a lot of denial and the kind of giving yourself up to the higher power aspect of it you know that comes with people who are successful in the 12 steps and so what's interesting to me is you're saying that you were seeing that there were certain people that that kind of shift didn't fit or didn't work for that they needed another kind of shift um, in a different direction. Am I understanding that right? Well, it possibly, but maybe a different language communicating it, right? Because if, if you're able to begin to investigate even the language and, and begin to loosen up and become more flexible with your vocabulary, then suddenly you're hearing beyond the words of people and you're trying to really just allow for the connection to happen on its own. So the meaning is communicated. The, the communication is hitting you at the same level it's informed uh, from the other person. Um, so these things uh, have to be established um, in the beginning. It's a very Zen approach. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, so, okay, can you tell us a little bit more about the program specifically then? You know, what are you guys doing within the program? And also, how did you develop it, right? Because you're saying that you didn't come from a treatment background originally. So who developed the program and how does it work? Sure. Our program director, Krista uh, Smith, she has her degrees in psychology. She um, is also my wife. So she has a very deep understanding of what we teach um, and has been exposed to it a long time. And she taught this in a residential treatment center. Um, and it was, a, it's, it was very successful at helping people um, grow up in a sense that it would dispel the whole idea that we're victims emotionally if you see that it's coming from you, right? Um, so she developed 47 classes that stand on their own. So it's not a, it's not a, 
you have to start this particular day and it builds upon it. It's a very fluid, circular uh, teaching that allows people to really understand how they are operating psychologically. Um, so this is being taught by different facilitators. We have uh, five different facilitators that are teaching these psychoeducational classes that are being um, done Monday through Friday, morning, afternoon, and evening sessions. So we're there five days a week, uh, morning till evening. Okay. And just to clarify, you guys are running PHP, IOP, what levels of care? Sure. We're licensed for full-time day treatment, PHP, IOP, as well as OP. Okay. All right. So one of the things I want to go back to and that I love about what you're doing is you're, you were kind of focused on the data, right? You were saying, okay, I'm seeing these people come out of treatment and it's working for some, but it's not working for a lot of them. Why? And for the people it's working for, what's working, right? And so how can I work backwards to build that into yes. a successful program, which mm -hmm. I mean, that's, that's my life. That's what I do <laughs> in marketing. It's all, you know, kind of working backwards to figure out the results and what numbers get, what conversion rates and all that kind of stuff. Um, so I think that's very valid from a treatment approach because it has to become outcomes based, right? What outcomes are we getting? If we're not getting the outcomes we want, how do we back engineer it to get those outcomes, right? Or figure out what is working. So sure. you did that to kind of develop your own program. Now, what are you seeing in terms of results with the program that you're using? Yeah, wildly successful, um, which we had uh, suspected it, it, it could be if everyone is doing uh, what they're capable of. The facilitators are really connecting to the clients in a relevant way that these are not uh, intended to be lectures where a teacher is standing in front of a group uh, delivering an agenda, but they're very alive groups. They're, they're very loose agended and it's allowing what's showing up for our clients in the moment to be addressed so that it's a very living teaching. And uh, so it's an art form and it's important that uh, those that are having contact with our clients are living from this understanding and that they're mentally healthy. Um, and when they're living from their mental health, uh, they, they have more to give. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that compassion fatigue that a lot of people get in this space is very real, right? Um, Agree. Okay, I want to touch on that too. But can you tell us, like, what does it mean to you to be wildly successful? You know, again, is, is there sure. a specific measures? Sure. What does yeah, success mean for you know you or your clients? Yeah, it's a it's a, a healthier uh, state of living. One that they're living their life on life's terms and they're being less resistant with their mind of the life they're creating. And so this is measured with mental health as far as is this person noticing less anxiety? Are they uh, experiencing less bouts of depression? Are they experiencing more resilience, more joy in their life, more uh, a feeling of connectedness, which is in fact what the, the lack of feeling separate. So uh, that's from a mental health side. And then certainly the physical aspect, which is where all of this thinking is playing out in the body, which in the past were these uh, unhealthy habitual ha behaviors that were going on, are finding less expression. So people are 
Um, they're not only abstaining from alcohol and substance use, you know, a large percentage of them, um, but more importantly, they're free from the, the battle, the inward battle that goes on psychologically that uh, is, is such a struggle and, and, you know, of course, the cause for many relapse. Uh, when we understand how, how all that is going on, then it's like a child understanding the nature of film and they can watch horror movies. They can still be scared, but they're not calling the police and that kind of thing. So our whole experience becomes softer and, and we have more joy in our lives. And that's what our clients are experiencing. If you read our reviews on Google, it's, uh, we have more reviews than any other treatment center in Atlanta. We're probably one of the newest. And it's because of the transformations that are going on with our clients and what we're seeing. So are you staining from alcohol? Yeah. Go are ahead. you tracking that through, you know, surveys or is this a clinical perspective? Like where are you getting that information that they're abstaining from alcohol, that they're, you know, feeling less depressed or less, you know, depressing episodes, et cetera. Sure. No, we, we reach out to our clients regularly. We're, uh, you know, a small organization at the moment. So it's been fairly easy to try to keep a pulse, you know, 30, 60, 90 days after completion. Um, and then, of course, working toward our JCO standards, we're going to have, you know, outcome standards in place that uh, will be similar to everyone else's, which will be nice. Okay. So how long have you guys been open so far? Uh, we opened August of 2018. Okay. So you guys are very, very new, right? So you guys don't have a lot of data back yet, but you're building the, that data tracking into what you're doing, correct? Yes. Yes, we are. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, so something we were talking about before we kind of got on the air here was, you know, from a marketing perspective, actually, we see a lot of interest for alternative 12-step programs because 12-step programs are like 80% of the field, right? So they're very easy to find. Everyone knows them. Um, but there are definitely people out there searching for different modalities. Do you see that? Do you see people seeking you out specifically because of, you know, a different modality that you're offering here? Yes. Uh, I think without hesitation and overwhelming, yeah, um, over over 90%. And then our people that have found us, um, you know, by chance possibly, by looking for even you know, treatment in general, and then they come across this and it, it may ring true for them. Um, and when it does, then after looking at the website, you'll, you'll see that we're definitely 12 step friendly because I mean, everyone needs help and we're not the right fit for everyone. I'm the first one to tell people. Uh, so Sorry, I lost my train of thought there. No, it's fine. That's great. I mean, you know, you're hitting the nail on the head. Like you're saying, sometimes 12-step isn't a fit for everyone, but also obviously alternatives aren't a fit and 12-step is a fit. So, you know, as yeah. a good treatment center, you've got to be able to refer people to the right place that's going to help them in their recovery, right? Absolutely. And, you know, what's interesting is the market has, has changed so drastically just since we've opened because we had some big hurdles. You know, I've come from a residential treatment that 
85% of the beds being filled were coming from Google AdWords. Mm -hmm. And then so in September of last year, our legs were cut off from up underneath us. And our only experience, or at least mine, in marketing was with residential. And so I, we had to figure it out quick. But I tell you, the community, the recovery community in Atlanta, and I don't know if this is normal with everywhere because this is the only place that uh, I've been involved in this way, is just so welcoming and they're so caring and they're so genuine in their willingness to support us and see that we play a part in this puzzle and that there's room for everybody that's doing good work and, and being ethical and, and operating with integrity. So uh, the community is what has kept us afloat and the work that we're doing and the spirit of the work that's being done and the results that we're getting. And now uh, we're definitely receiving plenty of referrals from clients that have been successful with us. Um, but, you know, we've found that without AdWords, how necessary it is to have somebody that shares the same vision as the founders and buys into that, buys into the work that we're doing and allow them to go out and develop relationships in the community and be that Google AdWords. Since we can't reach the end consumer, we can reach the people that are speaking with the people that have the problems, these mental health workers and therapists and hospitals and detoxes. So uh, that is the direction that we have gone. And we just hired our first business development woman and are excited to uh, have her as the voice in the community going out and building those relationships for not only referrals when they have someone, but we have a lot of calls of people that aren't the right fit, that need a higher level of care, that just need to talk to a therapist. And so knowing therapists in the community and their specialty helps us make them more successful because when the client is the right fit, that's where we send them. Yeah. So it's working out really nicely. Yeah, sounds like you guys are doing it the right way. You know, from our clients that are very successful, even in, you know, the trying times that we're in right now, a lot of it has to do with community involvement and diversifying their marketing channels through that community involvement, right? So it's all integrated and tied together. What I see with centers that aren't doing well at all is they're extremely reliant on a single source like AdWords, right? And in this space, as in business in general, it's diversify or die. If you don't have multiple ways of reaching the community, of reaching potential um, patients, then you're just not going to survive long term because the market changes, marketing channels change. It's just not sustainable. Uh, I, I love the fact that you guys are getting so involved in the community, though, because there are great recovery communities almost everywhere, especially in any bigger metropolitan area. And they're incredibly supportive. You know, there has been so much negative publicity and um, shady operators in different areas that the community is really starving for the good providers. So if you are a good provider and you get integrated in the community, they will absolutely, you know, send people your way. Completely agree. Completely agree. What has been the reaction of the you know wider treatment community in Atlanta? So it sounds like the recovery community in general is pretty supportive. Um, but you know, are there other treatment centers that you have found being supportive of your of your work? Yes. Once again, um, 
we feel nothing but having been embraced. And even other treatment centers, this is the other thing that's fascinating. Um, you know, with residential, people are typically flying from outside, possibly. Maybe they're driving. I, you know, my experience was most people flew yeah. to Florida to go to the beach to go to treatment. Um, and intensive outpatient um, from a lot of the people that we're meeting and interacting with that also have intensive outpatient centers are of the mindset that it is a location primary thing that if there's two IOPs but they're one mile closer to me they're going to come to me if they're one mile closer to you then obviously they're just going to go to you and so it's been fascinating to hear that mindset because I question whether that is true and you know I think that in our case we have people that have traveled from out of state many already that have heard what we're doing know what we're doing and they'll stay in structured sober living and then attend with us full-time during the day and then we have people and I know this sounds crazy but this gentleman drives two and a half hours one way uh, for a three-hour class once a week yep. with us uh, from North Carolina mm. and because these people are getting far more than just a recovery of alcohol and substance use, but more importantly, they're they're really finding freedom psychologically. And many of the folks that come to us have freedom financially already, and they're looking for something more, and they just feel that lack with, you know, alcohol or any type of mind-altering substance. So, yeah, exciting stuff. That's it's excellent. I mean, it's very smart. There needs to be a mind shift. Sorry, mind shift in the field here, right? Where addiction treatment's not a commodity. It never has been. It never should have become one. Which is kind of what happened. Everyone was basically running the same exact programs or very similar programs, and they were trying to differentiate almost based on amenities and things like that. But the reality is that one addiction treatment should really be community based. You know, so if you have a local model you're going to be much more successful. You're able to build a stronger alumni support network, um, stronger community network. So there's a lot of value in building local models. But then at the same time, if you're trying to run a national model, it's getting specific and knowing who you are and how you're different from everyone else. You know, I was just speaking to a co-founder down in Scottsdale, Arizona, and all they do is treatment for men ages 18 to 35, right? They're really good at it. Um, you know, they could take men that are older and they just don't feel comfortable with it because they know their program's really strong for the age group that they work with. And when you get that specific about who you are and what you're good at, then you can start pulling people in nationally, right? But if you're yeah, just running the basic stuff, you know, I mean, there's no reason for them to come to you because then you are a commodity, right? And that's, that's not what it should be. So I think you guys are doing everything right. You know, I'm very excited to see where you guys go. I know you're very new in the journey, um, but definitely a, yeah. a lot of luck. Oh, thank you. We just uh, signed, got our certificate of occupancy and our second business license for our 
second location in Marietta, Georgia, which nice. is about 14 miles away. So we should be open by November 1, assuming everything goes according to plan. Wow. Very exciting. Don't make that yeah. assumption. <laughs> There's always delays. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. Right. Well, so, okay, you know, I was kind of talking about having this specific focus and differentiating yourself and knowing who your ideal clients are and who you can serve the best. Um, you've talked about it a little bit, but, you know, from a business perspective, you know, what other advantages have you seen by really kind of narrowing your focus and knowing who you are and who you serve? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can your your communication of what you do when you're doing what you love and what you're good at. Um, it it. Um, the communication is done without you there. It's just happening. It's the greatest thing to do what you're passionate about um, and be unique because um, I could talk about this stuff every day, all day, um, whether I got paid for it or not. And so as long as you're doing, uh, doing what you love and you're really doing it because you are not in need of help and you're in a position to help someone, um, it's been very rewarding. What about from a clinical perspective? You know, so I mean, sometimes we'll deal with programs that will be like, well, who do you guys serve? And they'll be like, well, everyone, you know, we'll take sex addition, we'll okay. take eating disorders, sure. you know, but even from, again, serving clients in the best way possible, eating disorders and sexual addiction have a lot of differences than, you know, drug and alcohol, for example. So do you see a benefit there? Yeah. Now, and I, I apologize, when you were talking about the, the eating disorder and the sexual addiction, they have different challenges than yep. substance abuse, I agree. So our ideal client would be uh, somebody who has seen for themselves the conflict that is going on. They don't need to know where it comes from. They don't need to know how to fix it. But the just the awareness that what is currently happening in my life is is not working for me rather than uh, being forced to go somewhere because I've been told I have a problem to see that we have a problem puts you in a position to hear how to get out of the problem to find the solution. But the, the individual um, and so it's not an age thing. I've had plenty of 18 year olds come to me and do so amazing and really wake up to, you know, what we're sharing and, and do well. So it's not, it's less about an age thing and more maybe a serious thing. And, and when I say serious, I don't, I mean, serious, even when it hurts serious enough to, to look in the ugly places and see what's really going on and be honest. Those are the people that uh, have the toughness um, in the eyes to be able to see what we're sharing. Excellent. Okay. I was just looking over some of the reviews on you know your website from Google, and yeah, you definitely have some really fantastic reviews from people. You know, they especially people that have you know really relapsed several times. Previous treatment methods didn't work for them, and they kind of came to your place. It was something new, something different, and it just clicked. Yeah, it's a it, people have a it's very disarming when folks come to us and we tell them I've got great news, nothing is wrong with you <laughs> and you are not broken. 
your body is doing exactly what the mind is telling it to, but your mind has created a reality that's just not in harmony with the body. That's all that's going on. Mm -hmm. So as we help people understand this, they just get out of their own way and they become healthier mentally and physically. Uh, it's interesting that you say that because, I mean, I think most of the field would disagree with you, right? Most of the field would say that the brain is broken. There are chemical imbalances. Uh, drugs and the addiction mm -hmm. have, you know, disconnected the, you know, prefrontal cortex from the accumbens or, you know, all, all that kind of brain stuff. Um, so what would your response be to, to other people that are saying, well, no, you know, there's a clear disease yeah. here that is breaking well, people in some respect? Sure. Yeah. And I'm by no means am I a, a doctor claimed to be. So just discount it. Notice, notice when the resistance rises up, you know, and you feel that in your body and go, oh, I got some thinking about that. That was uh, unwilling to hear that because, you know, he doesn't know. And I may not. Um, I do know this. If a guy who's doing heroin goes to treatment for 60 days or goes to his uncle's farm in North Dakota for 60 days and works on the farm, Either way, his, his body is going to move toward becoming healthier, right? In the absence of poison, your, your body is trying to be healthy. So we have a physiological immune system. Is it really that much of a stretch to consider that we have a psychological one in place and we just may not understand it? At least be open to explore it rather than defending our opinions or our evidence that says that it's not we got to constantly be questioning these things and looking past our expectations of how things are so that we can we can learn more stuff. That's what it's about. Sure. Yeah. It's just interesting. You know, I mean, personally, um, you know, longtime listeners are probably familiar with some of my ideas on this stuff. But that was always the thing that used to bother me when I was going through recovery was the idea that you're broken. You know, I've always said I'm like, I'm not broken. You know, I mean, we can fix this. I might be going in one direction now, but we can change that. And people do every day, right? Whether they go through 12 oh, step, yeah. or they go through your program, smart recovery. I mean, people are able to enter into recovery. Um, some people need more support than others. And that's the way things go. But I've never really cared for the idea that people are broken, right? Everyone's no, I think that's really unfair. Yeah. It's just a, it's just another, another label, right? Mm. I think, I see the body is kind of like the memory stick. And, you know, there's been a lot of habitual thinking that's generated actions that are unhealthy for us. And, you know, those connections are made in the brain. Those synapses are firing. Yep. But in the abs with, with awareness, with mindfulness, we can see that happening and we can begin to exercise restraint and no longer be a blind puppet to our chemistry and see that, okay, a craving has arrived, so the body's craving that. Okay, um, I'm not my chemistry, right? but I'm having an experience of it. <laughs> and it sure. will t it will pass it will pass and it will pass and then sooner or later it dies of neglect like feral cats when you quit feeding them they finally finally leave the dumpster yeah yeah well i mean the thing we have to understand is physical health is very similar to mental health right i mean just like if i'm not going to the gym i'm not going to be fit if we're not working on our mental health we're not going to be mentally fit right and if i'm getting Agreed. obese or i'm getting out of shape you know it's not because i'm my body's broken it's because i'm not taking the the right actions or the right steps to move forward and hell that's hard work right going to the gym every day is hard work eating a good diet is really hard work 
just like, you know, keeping yourself in tip top mental shape is hard work, you know, as many people going through recovery know. So different perspective. I think we're getting a little off topic here, but uh, a topic okay. I personally enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah me too. You know, I can think we've covered a lot of information about kind of how you guys differentiate yourself, how that has helped you from a business perspective. Um, and as always, I would encourage anyone listening out there, just like you guys are doing, but to offer either alternatives to 12 steps, or if that's not you and that's not what you do, make sure that you connect with centers like Reeds and Centered Recovery so that you have places to refer people that 12 step might not be a good fit. Because if we wanna help people in recovery, we cannot do a one size fits all approach. We have to figure out what's gonna work for different people. And so the more that we work together to support the patients coming to us, I think the better off we all are. And also, you know, it helps us as a field, you know, to help more people and get a better image than one of the ones that's kind of currently being portrayed in the media. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that those that are doing good work and, and really operating from the heart um, are, are the ones that are going to be successful in the end. Those that are delivering the goods, holding themselves accountable for success, you know, but and really looking at what we're doing. Yep. Because that's the only thing we can control. That's exactly right. I mean, the field's going through a tough time right now, right? Um, And the big money that was there is gone. So I think that's going to weed out a lot of people that really didn't have their hearts in the field and were in it for different reasons. So I think, you know, within a year, two years max, we're going to see a very, very new landscape of addiction treatment a much better landscape and the people that are still in it are the people that really had their hearts in it, you know, and that want to make it work and that cared far more about helping people in recovery than they did about, you know, buying a Maserati or something like that. That's it. Couldn't, I couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Uh, so Reed, you know, what is the best way to get in touch with you or get in touch with centered recovery? If someone wants to reach out. Sure. Yeah, you can uh, reach me at reed, R-E-E-D, dot smith, at centeredrecovery.com. Or uh, you can reach us at 770-410-4894 or 800-556-2966. Perfect. Well, once again, thank you so much for going or sorry for coming on today, everyone. This is recovery executive podcast as always sponsored by circle social Inc experts in strategic marketing and growth for addiction treatment and behavioral health centers. You can find us on Intune, Stitcher, iTunes, uh, SoundCloud, basically wherever podcasts are found, we are there and available for live streaming or download with that. I look forward to everyone joining us next time. Thank you so much.